welcome to Facted Science Fiction. I'm your host, Carly, and for this special episode, I got to ask a really smart person lots of questions. Specifically, the author, voice actor, puppeteer, and science communicator, Mary Robinette Kowal, author of the Lady Astronaut series. Starting with The Calculating Stars, The Faded Sky, and the new novel coming out July 14th, The Relentless Moon. I'm a huge fan of the Lady Astronaut series, the first two books, which they're alternate histories set in the 1950s and 1960s in which a cataclysmic meteorite crashes into Earth, speeding up climate change to the point where scientists have to colonize other planets now. And by now, I mean 1961. Or the planet will become uninhabitable by our time. We'll talk about the series, about communicating complicated science to wide audiences, and more. So here is Mary Robinette Kowal. Before we dive into the interview, I want to recommend some books and a movie I enjoyed recently. First, obviously, I recommend The Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Kowal, and you can listen to the interview to learn why, and then read the sequel, The Faded Sky. And then the third one, The Relentless Moon, will probably be out by then. I also want to recommend the graphic novel Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Santa Takeda. My wife and I received the giant omnibus. Omnibus? Collecting 18 issues as a wedding gift, and it was probably one of the best gifts we got. I read the whole thing in one sitting, and then I recently read volume one again for my comic book book club. Monstrous is not for the faint of heart. It is a cosmic horror centering women in a war between magical people and non-magical people. It has great lore and great characters. Third, I want to recommend the film The Vast of Night from 2019, directed by Andrew Patterson. This movie starts out like a Twilight Zone episode in the 1950s about a radio DJ and switchboard operator who hear a mysterious sound over the radio waves that may indicate that we are not alone. It's an Amazon original film currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Now let's get on with the interview where you can hear Mary Robinette's recommendations and all the cool stuff about the Lady Astronaut series. Welcome, Mary Robinette. I'm a huge fan of the Lady Astronaut series. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, So I have to tell you that uh, I am based here in Kansas City. So (laughs) (laughs) it was so awesome to, uh, you know, be named the uh, second national capital in your series. Yes, sorry, uh, sorry that it took dropping a meteor someplace to uh, have that happen, but uh, it's delightful, delightful city. Yeah, I'm actually on the Missouri side, um, okay. but uh, I love the mention that you gave um, Casey Mo, and, and I think it was the Faded Sky. Maybe it was Calculating Stars, where uh, one of the characters like comes over to the Missouri side to see a show at the Midland. I was like, I've been there. I know that place. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and the uh the martini bar uh that they go to is also a real place. Um shoot, I can't remember what it's called now. Um but it is uh it's it's a it's a beautiful old deco style hotel um that has a second floor martini bar. Oh, Still. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I will look that up because if there's one thing, um, your books make me crave martinis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to say that I wound up drinking a lot more martinis uh, because I wrote these books, but I, it did it did shift the cocktail of preference there, uh, mm-hmm. kind of kind of substantially. <laughs> yeah, not surprised. Uh, yeah, they always sound so good. So, uh, so that's what the first thing I had to tell you is that I'm a Kansas Cityan, and you make our city look good, and. Um, so the first thing I'd like to start off with, um, a new segment on my podcast is, uh, recommendations. So I was wondering if you could just take a few minutes to talk about any, um, sci-fi or speculative fiction, um, that you've been reading or listening to or watching recently that you would recommend. Yeah. So we just finished watching, um, Avenue 5, which is a, it's on HBO. We got it through, um, one of the, I think, Amazon Prime, but uh, it's starring Hugh Laurie as the captain of an interplanetary luxury cruise ship, and things go terribly, terribly wrong. So it's a comedy, mm-hmm. um, and it is like the people who are working on it clearly have been on cruises because there's a hilarious sight gag with uh, towel animals. And the other thing that I very much like about it is that. There's uh, one of the 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 leads is a uh, engineer who is a woman and she is constantly giving him physics lessons and it's so nice to see like this super competent woman and then the other thing that they do which is great and intensely painful all at the same time is that she gets none of the credit for it which is completely oh. accurate mm-hmm. but they make it into a comic bit. Um, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's exactly how that would go down. Yep, that's 100% how that would go down. Um, but they use they use uh, they use physics as uh, the the driver for some of the gags, and you know sometimes things are exaggerated, but it's also like, oh yeah, no, you you actually you know you are not you you are thinking about it, you know mm-hmm. it's not it's uh it's 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 good fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'll check that out. Uh, I recently signed up for HBO. Um, and I've seen trailers and it's awesome to see Hugh Laurie do, like doing comedy. So oh, he's um, so funny. <laughs> yeah. So I will definitely check that out. Is there uh, anything else, a book or audiobook? Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm listening audiobook wise. I am currently listening to the, uh, the war I finally won. Uh, which is a middle grade. It's not science fiction or fantasy at all, actually, uh, but exhaustively beautifully researched um, story, coming of age stories set uh, during World War II and um, just wonderfully narrated. And uh, like, it, it's the kind of book that you come should come with a warning to be careful about listening to it while driving, because there's a lot of weeping. Uh-huh. Um but like it's a, a lot of it is happy weeping. Some of it mm-hmm. is like, oh, it's the saddest thing ever. But most of it is like, that's so beautiful. Um, you go, go. Um, and it's also got really good uh, disability rep um, because it is uh, the main character was born with a club foot that was never corrected and uh, is never treated as being less um you know it's yeah really it's great great writing uh i also just read um i've been stalling because there's a book that i just read that is 
the light from other stars. I knew that it would come into my head at some point, um, uh, which is um, it's a two parallel stories. One is about uh, space travel and the other is about um, trying to uh, is a kind of a time travel story. Uh, although you don't realize that that's what's going on initially. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it says it on the, the dusk jacket, but it's not like, and now we go back to 90. It's, it's um, more interesting than that. Um, but very good, uh, really beautiful characterization. Um, and uh, like mine, also an alternate history, except that uh, the, it's set in the eighties. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That sounds good too. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads me into like my first question about the astronaut series, um, is, uh, is why did you choose to make it like an alternate history, especially when it's talking about like colonizing other planets, things that we haven't done yet. It could have been so easy to have it set in present day. I mean, I love that it's set in the past because of the the research and how real it feels. But if you could just go into like your process on deciding the the time and the place for sure. for the series. Um, so it, it's interesting that you say that it, it could be set in present day because I, I I don't think it can. Um, it, we almost we're almost to that point, but I I, I wanted women in space, um, and I wanted people of color in space and we kind of suck at that right now um you know we just had uh the the first two spacewalks this year were all women which was fantastic but those are also like the first all women spacewalks you know and we've been walking in space for uh 50 years now Mm -hmm. and and that's that it's taken that long to to put two women on a spacewalk together um We've just had uh, we've just had three additional spacewalks. Uh, there we're back to all men. We only have men on the space station right now. Uh, the next launch, which is a Soyuz uh, that's going up, uh, has uh, one woman going up. Um, but it's like we 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 don't we we don't have a thing where I can send equal numbers of men and women into space mm-hmm. uh, if if I'm writing present day, unless I make some really substantial changes, which I did by slamming a meteor into Washington, D.C. But that's basically, I mean, that's a lot of why it's set in the past. The other reason is that um, my own kind of fascination with uh, with early computing, um, my dad worked for IBM. And so when I was a kid, like little, little, like five, six, seven, eight in there, uh, I would get to go to work and see him at work sometimes to have lunch and just do a little tour. And I remember like the gerbil tubes that you would walk through to get between buildings. I remember going into the giant mainframe frame room with all of the machines running tape. Uh, I mm-hmm. remember getting to do a punch card and, and you know, getting it to write my name, the cafeteria and all of these people uh, just doing just doing this amazing computer science stuff. And that memory still has more wonder for me than my actual phone, which can do like everything that 
everyone in that building was doing on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it's very tactile memories. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ca- sort of capture that, uh, I guess, capture my own sense of wonder about computers and remind people that it's like, oh, yeah, no, you can do really amazing, amazing things with math and calculations and and what people are thinking and engineering. Uh, and we did astonishing things, just really, really amazing, amazing things. Most of the, the space program was built on the the work that people were doing with, you know, by ca- it wasn't computer, m- mechanical computers. It was human computers doing calculations and coming up with things. Yeah. Uh, the scenes where, where Elma's up in space and she has to do these kinds of calculations on the fly. I love the way you describe it as when she's doing the math, like the shapes just come into her head. Yeah. Um, and she can look at the the ship and the you know outside world as if it were tactile in her brain. I love that. I have a number of people who are very mathy who who do say that it it works that way for them. Um, I am not mathy at all, so I uh, I just treat math like a magic system. Um, mm-hmm. But the the way I am describing what she is doing with math is the way story feels in my brain. Wow. Interesting. What, what is the research process like Um, in your, at the end of the book, you, you talk about who you like worked with to get the certain pieces out, but like, how do you get started um, and, and know like this is going to require a lot of research this is who I should talk to about this. Um, so the first thing that I'm just going to say for anyone out there who is a writer is uh, pick something that you're already interested in, um, at least passingly. Uh, I So I start by doing very broad level research, um, which is just to kind of get a sense of the era or the the technology that I want to play with. And then from there, I will write up a a kind of a one-page synopsis that will give me more, um, that will help me kind of know the areas that I want to do more specific research in. I, when I can, it's not right now, uh, when I can, I will go to an actual library and just browse the shelves in the section that I'm looking at and pull things off and look at their indexes. Um, And if it's got a really good index with a lot of stuff that I'm interested in, um, then and and the pages themselves seem like oh yeah this says this is not going to be painful to read um I'll, I'll take it home sometimes even if it is painful to read but is well indexed I'll, I'll still take it home uh and then that focuses me on uh allows me to unpack that synopsis into kind of an outline and then i'll i'll get more specific with research kind of with each iteration of the process until i'm in what i call spot research which is you know that i'll be writing along and my character has to handle something or do some other piece of business in the story and you know it's like i i don't know what they would have been wearing to meet the president or um 
I, I know that my astronaut needs to be doing something here that demonstrates competence, um, but it, it kind of doesn't matter what that specific thing is as long as, you know, it's like I can write my character arc, but I don't, it doesn't matter what that specific thing is. So I'll just put brackets around whatever that is, you know, and then mm-hmm. bracket, she did competence porn, bracket, <laughs> um, or uh, things that, you know, will appear in the books are like, and then the captain said jargon as he jargoned the jargon. And I'll, uh, if it's something that I feel like is not something that I'll be able to fill in on my own, then I'll send it to a subject matter expert and uh, and have them take a look at it. Uh, like pretty much all of Elma's math, um, the way it's written in the in my draft is, and then, you know, and then I reached over and I math, 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 math. <laughs> I like that you got into the voice right there. (laughs) Right. Hmm. You listened to the audiobook. (laughs) (laughs) Sure did. Yeah. Um, so that's that's basically what I'll do. And then I I ask them to play Mad Libs and uh send it back to me. So, you know, parts of the book are written by actual astronauts, parts are written by actual rocket scientists. It's uh the the new one has parts that are written by an actual orthopedic surgeon. Not a spoiler. Certainly no one's bone gets broken at any point in this novel. <laughs> um, which uh, brings up uh, The Relentless Moon. Um, that's coming out so soon. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm so stoked about it. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, about how this book is different than the other two? Yeah. So the first two books are from the point of view of Elma York, um, who is a Southern Jewish uh, computer and pilot uh, and an astronaut. The Relentless Moon is from one of the other women in that first class of astronauts. This is Nicole Wargan. Um, She's older than Elma uh, by more than a decade. Uh, She's married to a senator so heavily involved in politics and it is um, unlike Relentless Moon and, excuse me, unlike Faded Sky and Calculating Stars, which take place over the span of years. This is over the span of of about three months. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not sh- so it's much more compressed time scale. Um, it is much more of a thriller, mystery thriller, suspense kind of novel. Um, the you know it says on the package that tensions are high on the earth uh and uh and there's concern that there's a saboteur and so the book is trying to find and stop them so it's lots of um you know thrilling adventures on the moon (laughs) i really love nicole so when i read that the um She'll be like the main POV. I was stoked. She's so sassy. She's so, so different from Elma, but they're, you know, close friends. So I'm really excited for, for that. And it comes out the 14th. The 14th. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. At time of recording, that is a week from tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. Um, what is it, what is it like recording your own audiobook? Well, uh, for the first time ever, 
Um, we think we don't think anyone else has done this. I uh, actually live streamed the entire narration process thanks to uh, Audible and Tor cooperating to let me do that. So you can actually go to my YouTube channel um, and see the whole thing, although we we are taking most of it down on the 14th. We're, we're just leaving up some samplers. Okay. The big difference between narrating my own versus someone else's in general terms is that I'm much better about prepping someone else's. With my own... Um, the the process of prepping a book is that you sit down and you uh, you begin reading it and then uh, make notes about characters that you're going to need to to do or words that you don't know how to say or pronounce and um, and kind of arcs and generally speaking like I'll read the first third ish of the novel and then I'll start skimming it uh, because by that point most of the characters will have been introduced. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get some late arrivals, but I'll start skimming it just looking for words in italics or quote marks that indicate uh, it's like, oh, look, there is actually a new character. Um, and sometimes I miss things, but but generally speaking, that that catches everything. It's really hard to do that with my own book uh, because I've read it so many times that um it's it's harder to track and i always think ah this time this time i will make notes about you don't know how to say that word when i write it uh, that is yet to happen at all um i have i have toned back on some of the foreign languages that i've put in just because uh i don't speak most of the languages that i have my characters speaking uh, but the other thing that it it does is that I have um, I have a little more latitude normally, and Relentless Moon is the first one we haven't done this with. Well, I guess the second. Uh, what we realized very quickly uh, once I started narrating my own was that I spot things that are wrong and I want to fix them. And... Usually when you're narrating an audiobook, you're narrating it with the final page proofs. You know, this is the final copy of the book. So you can't make any changes and you have to be word perfect. What we do with mine is that we um, we have me record them in the first pass page proofs. So that's that's the set that the author gets where it's it's all pretty much correct. It still needs to you know run through the proofreader. But the author still can can make changes. And uh, and so I narrate from that because when I catch something, I'm like, oh, this doesn't make any sense at all. I can change it and then it'll be fixed in the final text. Um, because of the pandemic, I couldn't narrate at that at the usual point in that process. Mm-hmm. So I did narrate from the uh, the final for this one. And there are points where I'm just like, what? What that doesn't even, oh, for crying out loud. Narrator Mary Robinette and author Mary Robinette have an uneasy relationship. <laughs> We're doing it live. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I wanted to take the last few minutes to talk about um, representation in your books, because what I love so much about them is that it feels realistic about the challenges that the the women computers faced, that the uh, pilots faced of like the different races, 
and especially like getting people of color up in space in the faded sky was uh at some point like I couldn't put the book down because I was so mad. I was um and it, and it's so important because uh some of the I, I read uh, an introduction to a collection of Afrofuturism um, mm-hmm. writings. And in the introduction, they said that uh, most science fiction is is like white people's wish fulfillment. Um, and but your books like don't shy away from like these are, you know, if we're going to colonize space, who are who is we <laughs> and who isn't invited and um, and the different kind of. Uh, microaggressions to full-blown aggressive behaviors that uh, people of color face. So um, I I just wanted to ask for for more of your thoughts about um, why it's such a strong like feature in your books when so so many other authors don't go there. (laughs) Um, So I I will say that I I think that it is actually accurate to say that this is, this book is uh, still white people wish fulfillment. Um, but one of the things that I'm wishing is that, um, that I were a better person than I am. Um, all of the conversations that Elma has, uh, about race are conversations that a friend had with me when I had screwed up. Uh, Mm -hmm. she gets it faster than I do. Um, Mm. or than I did. And so I, I gifted her and hopefully readers with the emotional labor that my friends did. The, Mm. the main thing with these books is I don't actually think that they are, I don't think of them as being about, uh, race or gender inequalities or, um, or, or mental health. What I think about them as it's like, this is a book about, you know, going to the moon or relentless moon is about this is a book about trying to stop a saboteur on the moon uh and i the the difference is that i don't ignore race and gender and mental health and the effect that those have on our lives um that's that's the thing that i'm doing and we're so used to just seeing it skipped that when mm-hmm. I pay attention to the fact that it affects the way people move through the world, it feels like I'm calling attention to it. But I'm like, th- these are all just the calculations that people have to make when they exist in the world. Mm-hmm. And and like all of the points, uh, all of the microaggressions exist in the real world. It's just most of the time, you know as a as a white person i don't have to pay attention to them um because they are not directed at me and so it's very easy to pretend that they aren't happening it's very easy to then also pretend that it shouldn't be included in my fiction so that's that's really all i'm doing is i'm just not ignoring it right um and i i really appreciate it i've if added a dimension to to your books that I, I, like I said, I just don't see a lot in science fiction or, or speculative fiction. And, um, I don't, uh, so I listened to the calculating stars audiobook um, just last week. Um, and just listening to it in the present context, mm-hmm. uh, was a lot different than, than, you know, in 2015, 2016, when I first read it, um, especially in the beginning, uh, 
where it was like the day after the meteorite and um, Elma's asked to go shopping. And she's like, shopping? I can't go shopping. We have work to do. This thing just happened. So, um, so do you uh, reconsider like how uh, like disaster communication or like communication about uh, like climate change um, today, like reflects um, your books and vice versa in that time? I think that the thing that we are seeing is the difference that a leader makes. Mm. When you look around the world at the way different countries have responded to the coronavirus, um, the difference is in the leader. Whether they are uh, promoting, uh, okay, now we're going to help each other, or whether they're promoting um, fear and uh, and you know protecting what's 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 yours, um, selfishness. And when we look historically, which is one of the reasons I like writing historical fiction, um, when we look historically at disasters, what we see is that people's first response tends to be, let me help. Hmm. But the thing that happens is that at some point fear will kick in. And if you don't have someone who is setting uh, a model for this is how you behave, this is what you do, this is how to channel that fear into something productive, that you you go to that other end of the spectrum, which is where people uh, just want to protect their own and and do kind of a the, the most damaging form of devil may care. So the the big thing for me, like one of the the things that I thought very carefully about when I when I slammed that you know meteorite into Washington D.C. in the first book um, was who I could have outside of the Capitol that would set the stage for ho- hopeful cooperation. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've done in the the next book, in or not the next, but in Relentless Moon, I guess technically in Faded Sky as well, is that the it's a very different president. Um, he's a hawk. He's very much America first. Uh, and the reactions that you get are different because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the things that would have shifted um, – the way I write wrote this are none of them are the big picture things. Uh, those are all uh, the, the things that are happening right now are you you can point at multiple different historical periods and and see those. Um, none of them are surprising. Uh, the things that I would have shifted are all really small pieces of the lived experience um, that. Uh, that wouldn't have occurred to me um, mm-hmm. in the original. Uh, like, um, there's a, uh, you know, I, I talk about the astronauts having a, a pixie cut, the women, because it's easier to maintain. Uh, and the thing that we know from the uh, pandemic is that short hair is actually much more of a problem when yeah. you can't easily go to your hairdresser. Um and it, it also makes me go, oh, this is why all of the women astronauts in real life Have wind up with hair. long hair. 
or it's like you can maintain that. You can just pull it back into a ponytail in space. It's like, oh, I shouldn't say all of them, but most of them. It's like, oh, that makes, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Would not, like, would not have thought about it. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be trapped in a box and you cannot go have your hair cut for three to six months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to go with a high maintenance cut. No, you're not. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think yeah, we all learned that. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's that kind of um, it, it's that kind of small lived experience, and and this mm-hmm. is true with any research that I do. Also, that the the big picture stuff is the easy part. You can the people have written about that. It's all mm-hmm. of the small things. It's all of the backstage stuff that you don't think about. Well, that was my last question, and we are just hitting 30 minutes. So um, I want to thank you, Mary Robinette, for sitting down with me in our respective uh, audio setups um, (laughs) to to talk to me about the Relentless Moon and the Lady Astronaut series as a whole. I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been delightful. Thanks again to Mary Robinette Kowal for listening to me fangirl over her novels and teaching me a couple of things too. If you like this interview, leave a nice review for me on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or on Podcast Addict. Subscribe and share with your friends online, and you can tag the show on Twitter at Fact and Sci-Fi. And lastly, thanks for listening. <laughs>